Welcome to American Indian and Alaska Native Living, a program designed to educate and inspire listeners throughout Indian country. American Indian and Alaska Native Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he is here today to help you learn more about your health. Here is Dr. DeRose. Welcome to American Indian and Alaska Native Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Today, we've got a great show lined up for you. We're going to be talking about some very practical things that can make a difference for you, for those you love, can make a difference with your tribe, or whether you're Native or not, it can make a difference in your community, in your home. With me is a very special guest, Dr. Angie Brower. Angie, it is great to have you with us on today's show. Thank you so much, David. It's great to be here with you. Angie, you have got an amazing background. You and I have rubbed shoulders over the years. And uh, right now, you're leading out with uh, health ministries work for the Seventh-day Adventist Church in North America. But uh, you've got a pretty diverse background as far as your training. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Most of my background is in public health. I have a doctorate in public health as well as a master's in public health. And I've gone everywhere from epidemiology, infectious disease epidemiology, to nutrition. Uh, nutrition is probably one of the topic areas I absolutely love. But I also really find it interesting to look at, okay, how do diseases really happen? What are the causes? What are the underlying factors? And what can we do about them? And that's really what epidemiology tries to address. So currently, I get to work with churches, with organizations that are looking at a faith-based approach to addressing health needs in our communities. Well, one of the things I so love about what you do, Angie, is, uh, you know, you mentioned you have this target audience of Seventh-day Adventist churches, but like you've already alluded to, Seventh-day Adventists have always seen their ministry as not just being to their local congregations, but to their communities. And you're developing so many things, you either individually, your team there at the North American Division, or your partners, where they're really focused on giving back to communities, helping health outcomes in communities. Tell us a little bit about some of the range of things that you've been championing as far as your office, your department. Yeah, you know, it's so important to us that we are being relevant to our communities. Um, the Seventh-day Adventist Church in North America has over 5,000 congregations, and those can be very small or some are much quite large. Um, so located in the United States and Canada, uh, we also include Guam, Micronesia, and Bermuda within the what's called the North American Division. And so if you think about where are these facilities located, well, it's within our communities. So we really do want to have an intentional connecting with our communities. We want to be a resource. Something that we're finding is that even our governmental agencies are looking for faith-based organizations to help to provide health resourcing within their communities. Because let's face it, a lot of people are affiliated with some faith in some way. 
And we know there's a great diversity of that. But a lot of people want to find a church community or some other religious community that can also help them with their health needs. Some of the things that we've been working on most recently is a grief support group resource. We also have an addiction recovery um, support group based program. Because of my background in nutrition, we've also worked on something called the joy of eating, which is mm. looking at the good part about eating. That eating, as I believe, was really made for enjoyment as well as for health. And how do those two really connect? Uh, we also have things such as physical activity. But, you know, a lot right now is focusing on mental health because that is definitely the pressing need in our communities. Let's talk about some of these things, Angie. You know, you mentioned mental health and especially grief recovery. Uh, so much trauma in our world today, so many people being traumatized in different ways. I mean, traditionally, we thought of grief as occurring when someone loses a loved one, but there's all kinds of things that can stimulate a, a grief response. And there's such a need for content in this area. Tell us a little bit about what you've been doing. And is it something that anybody can access? Do they need to reach out to a Seventh-day Adventist church? Give us a little bit of perspective on that. Absolutely. So as you mentioned, grief certainly does come from a broad range of experiences. Uh, we know that if you think about the COVID pandemic during its peak, a lot of individuals were losing jobs, losing housing, losing even portions of their identity. And of course, yes, there were many people who very sadly lost loved ones too. So grief is involved in any type of loss. And there is a process of grieving that can happen. And one of the things that we want to think about is, is that grieving process occurring in a healthy way. Sometimes, um, you know, a lot of communities and a lot of individuals and families don't really talk about grief um, because it's uncomfortable. We have a difficult time addressing this issue, especially when we're talking about the loss of life of a loved one. It can be very difficult to talk about that. So, so we're not well equipped in going through the grieving process, but it is something that we all go through at some point and in relation to something. I can also think of people who've lost pets and have mm -hmm. gone through incredible grieving processes for that. So how does an individual move through what we're calling the seasons of loss? And the program that we've developed is called Seasons of Grief. It is a 10-day program. I shouldn't say 10-day, but rather 10 sessions. Mm -hmm. um, most people, um, it's a support group type of session where you bring together individuals who are grieving some type of a loss. Generally, it has been their loss of a loved one, but they come together in a supportive community because they can understand what the other person is going through. Um, and with a facilitator who themselves has also experienced loss and has mm -hmm. gone through some of those changes of the grieving process, 
they serve sort of as a guide using the material that we have developed to, to just kind of walk through that process. But it's really important to understand that grief is very unique. Every single one of us will experience the grief in, a, in our own specific way. We'll move through the process in our own specific way. But what we want to see is that there is a healing process that happens in the journey. And that can be, again, very specific. It can be also very complicated. The resource is so fresh that it will be out and available in just a few weeks' time. So going to the website seasonsofgrief.org, that will be where you can find how to get access to the resources. We also have trainings for individuals who want to be a facilitator. So we, we want to make sure that you feel supported as you're supporting others as well. Very good. So I've jotted down seasonsofgrief.org. And uh, if I jump on there now, I may or may not find the whole program rolled out because it's kind of in progress as we speak, but there's a little time lag. There's a pre-recorded show. So uh, hopefully around the time that you're hearing this show on whatever radio station or podcast, that you'll be able to jump onto seasonsofgrief.org and get more information. Angie, to me, the most practical thing we've already shared is just validating people's journey, telling people that, yes, it's normal to grieve and there's support for you. You and others are trying to make things more broadly available throughout the country, throughout North America, that people can utilize some other tools as well. Not that there aren't already many great things out there. So thank you for helping to spearhead that resource. If I may, I'd like to transition over to this uh, joy of eating because, you know, as a health professional, you know, both of us, we've uh, worked, I've worked with a lot of communities. I know you have as well, uh, Dr. Brower, trying to help people embrace optimal nutrition. It, it is so important as far as disease processes, mental health. I mean, the list goes on and on. And uh, yet sometimes it sounds like we're asking people to make a choice. You know, are you going to be healthy and uh, eat only things that taste like cardboard and are disgusting? Or are you going to enjoy life and eat these foods that people are telling us are unhealthy? So I love the fact that you and uh, those that you've worked with, you've come out with a program that tries to say, no, you can be on a great, healthy lifestyle and you can enjoy your food. So tell us a little bit about this program and how people can access it. Absolutely. Well, let me tell you a little bit about my background first, if I can, when Please. it comes to this whole idea of can can eating healthy actually be enjoyable? You know, I grew up with a wonderful family, and my mom is an amazing cook. She still is. But we grew up maybe not eating with the best food choices that are available, and for many different reasons, um, you know, without going into too much detail, we didn't exactly have all the resources available to purchase, you know, high-end quality foods and things like that. So my mom was wonderful. She did the best that she could. When I started learning more about nutrition and the impact that diet has on our health, on our well-being, and maybe not so surprisingly anymore, but also 
the impact that food has on our mental well-being. Mm -hmm. And I experienced that for myself, that having a, a healthier diet actually improved my emotional well-being. I started to realize that, you know, I needed to make changes for myself. So my process of learning how to cook healthy, coming from a background where we were eating really delicious food, well, I, I just refused to accept the fact that healthy food can't be delicious. Uh -huh. And so I really enjoy experimenting in the kitchen. One of my favorite things to do is try to make your typical meal, but healthier. How do you use substitutions? How do you make it just a little bit healthier or maybe even a whole lot healthier? I always have to say, you know, it's not going to taste exactly the same, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean it doesn't taste good. So the next step in my personal journey here was when I met my husband, who is now my husband, and he has a number of food sensitivities, food allergies. And so I needed to learn now how to cook good tasting food with all of his restrictions. So that was another immense learning process. But my dear husband will tell you that he has not starved and he has enjoyed every bite. So this has, has kind of given me the background for what we could do with something called the joy of eating. You know, I truly believe that as a Christian, I do believe that God created us and he created us with taste buds. So that means that he probably wants us to enjoy what we eat and what we consume. But again, how do we balance that with uh, getting in our healthy meals? So I wanted to, with our Joy of Eating initiative, to really help focus on um, the ultimate purpose of food, which is healthy eating and healthy eating in a way that brings community together. I love this vision. We want to talk more about it because you've got a lot of practical resources that people can tap into. I'm Dr. David DeRose. I'm talking with Dr. Angie Brower. She's sharing with us a program called The Joy of Eating. We've got a lot of practical material from it that'll be coming up in our next segment. Don't go away. More right after these important messages. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please reach out to us on the web at AIANL.org. That stands for American Indian Alaska Native Living. Again, AIANL.org. Or you can call us at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. We are strong. We are resilient. And we will get through this together. But these are stressful times. And it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid. But there is hope. Reach out to someone. Connect with your friends. Stay in touch with your community. And know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com slash hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. When Jim died, I wondered if I would be able to keep the farm. 
Then I heard about the USDA's loan program for socially disadvantaged farmers and ranchers. It's for women and minorities who may be having trouble getting credit. Once I was approved, the USDA's Farm Service Agency helped me get the credit I needed. Now I don't have to sell, and I can pass the farm down to my kids the way Jim's dad passed it down to him. I know he'd like that. Contact your local USDA Service Center or visit www.fsa.usda.gov. Social Security is with you through life's journey from birth to retirement. As your life changes year to year, so do your needs. For over 80 years, Social Security has helped to meet your needs and is committed to improving access to the services that make a difference in your life. Today, you can verify your earnings, estimate your future benefits, apply for retirement, manage your benefits, and even change your address all from the comfort of your home. Social Security's online services help put you in control with secure access to your information anytime, anywhere, allowing you to spend more time with family, friends, or simply just enjoying the day. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaskan Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian and Alaskan Native Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We are speaking with Dr. Angie Brower. She heads up uh, health ministries for the Seventh-day Adventist Church in North America. That means she's working with over 5,000 congregations throughout North America and even a little bit beyond, if you've been with us from the top of the hour. But the big vision that she and others that are partnering with her have is making a difference in communities, whether they are individuals who embrace a Seventh-day Adventist worldview or not. And we've been speaking about one of those areas that I'm excited to talk about, and that is uh, nutrition, speaking about a program called The Joy of Eating. Angie, before we go back to the dialogue, you know, as you were sharing, making eating relevant in a cultural context, talking about your personal background, uh, one of my vivid memories from my work in Indian country happened many years ago. I was on the Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota, and One of the indigenous women there had this vision to really improve the health of the people that she loved, you know, our family or community. And so she basically took these commodity foods and foods that were readily available right there on the reservation. And she said, how can I use these in healthier recipes? She had gone through some classes and kind of an intensive that had exposed her to some different strategies for helping with chronic diseases and things. And I was just amazed at how she did just what you're describing, took the cultural context in which she was in and said, how can I make some of these same dishes that I grew up with and use the ingredients that are locally available and make it in a way that tastes good, that people can relate to, and that can improve their health. I love that. I was amazed by what this woman had done. And so I'm really excited about this vision. Tell us a little bit more about the actual content and how someone might be able to access content in this Joy of Eating program. So one of the things I want to say is 
one of my visions for the joy of eating was that it would have this sort of cultural flavor to it mm. and that we would be able to highlight the beauty that every culture really does have wonderful foods that they use and what would it look like if we were able to actually highlight every single culture now i can't say we've been able to accomplish that so hopefully your listeners can help us out with that but so one of the things that we do feature are healthy recipes these are recipes that folks i know have put together they've tested them they've tried them out some that we have found in publications that, that have allowed us to reprint them some of them are even from my own kitchen I wish okay. I could add a few more in there, but um, maybe someday I'll have time to do that. So these healthies, we do have a few that are representative of different ethnic groups. Um, but what we try to do is find recipes that are easily accessible. And so you don't have to go to great lens to find the ingredients. Now, yeah, sure, there might be a few that are in there. But for the majority part, we want these to be really accessible. We also have some health articles, nutrition-related articles, uh, that are looking at some of the basics of nutrition that a lot of us may not have a background in nutrition. So what are healthy fats and are carbs really healthy for you or are they not healthy? These were really well-researched articles. In fact, you can even find references to the actual research that was used in the article and along with the article we also have a presentation video from a wonderful dietitian that i had the pleasure of working with to put this program together so that you can watch her and listen to her share about these health topics we are trying to build more resources one of the things that I really want to bring together is what I call a food database mm. where we can actually look and see at the enormous plenty that we have available when it comes to healthy foods such as fruits and vegetables and grains and nuts. So it's not just about apples and bananas, but a huge number of other fruits, vegetables, healthy produce that is available for us. So if I wanted to tap into some of these resources, say, uh, wow, you know, it sounds like some great recipes and videos and things. How do I go about accessing the content? So all of this is available free on our website, joyofeating.org. You can just go on there and you might have to create an account, but the account is free as well and you will have full access to all the material there. Now, there's a lot of folks, uh, Dr. Brower, that tune into this show. They may be tribal health directors. They may be working in a clinic. Maybe they're working with a faith community. And they say, well, this sounds like a really great resource. Can I use it maybe in a class that I'm doing in some kind of venue? Are there restrictions on the use of these resources or how does that work? We really do want this to be available as a resource as well. So one of the other projects we're working on is making the videos, presentations, even creating PowerPoints that you can use in a classroom setting. Uh, those are not yet available, but it's certainly on our docket to get together. 
if you want to use the material and create your own PowerPoint, just send me a quick note. There's a contact us a link on the website and just send us a quick note and we'll be happy to let you do that. We really, again, this is freely available online. We want you to be able to use it in a positive way to impact your community. Wonderful. So, Dr. Brower, I know, as you mentioned earlier, you've got your hands into a lot of things, a lot of resources that are helping communities. We've talked about grief recovery. We've talked about the joy of eating. There's another program that I know is getting a lot of attention in settings where I've been. I've heard a lot of people talking about the addiction recovery resources that you and, and some of those that you've been partnering with have pulled together. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, you know, our addiction recovery program is one of my favorite things to talk about because it's so relevant to really just about everybody. There is a, a misunderstanding, I think, about addictions. And maybe there's a picture that we form in our mind as soon as we hear the word addiction and that somebody is addicted. We get a picture of what they're doing and how they look like, what they're dressed like, maybe what they smell like. But it might surprise some of our listeners to know that anybody could struggle with a multitude of types of addictions. Mm -hmm. So it's not just about alcohol or tobacco, uh, shopping could potentially be an addiction. Um, we also have a lot of people who struggle with eating. Now, whether or not that can be classified as an addiction or just an eating disorder is still kind of debated in the clinical communities. But a lot of people do really struggle with having just control over what they eat and how much they eat. There's also internet addiction that we're hearing a lot more about, of course, in the age of the internet. Also, pornography has grown um, very sadly. So many, many different types of addictions, some that we may not understand as really being negative, but they can have a negative impact on our lives and the lives of, of our family and our loved ones as well. So the, the addiction recovery resource that we have available is a 12-step support group program. And I'm sure everyone has probably heard about Alcoholics Anonymous or Overeaters Anonymous or, mm -hmm. you know, all of these different groups out there. Well, we wanted to have a program that was faith-based as well and that addressed any and all addictions. Now, somebody might say, well, maybe you need to go to a specific group if, you know, there's one particular addiction you're struggling with. So we do encourage individuals who are really having a difficult time struggling with the addiction, come to our group so that you are getting a faith-based support as well, if that's, you know, what's going to be meaningful and impactful in your life. But don't be shy of attending another group as well. In fact, mm. some individuals we know actually attend a support group at least two or three times a week because mm -hmm, that's the mm -hmm. level of support that they really need at that point in their journey. 
One of the things that I so love, Angie, about the 12-step model is there's always been this strong foundation in supporting other people on recognizing that we're a community, you know, having sponsors. So that model seems to be especially powerful. I mean, I've seen scientific studies that have looked at this and actually being one of the secrets to recovery, if you will, and that is not just focusing on yourself, but focusing on others. So, I mean, it's just really exciting to see you taking that model and saying, hey, for individuals who want this in a Christian context, uh, a faith-based Christian context, we can package this in a certain way and actually have it uh, be really synergistic with your individual beliefs. We want to talk a bit more about this, Angie, and some of the ways it can help uh, any of our listeners and general principles, too. We do have to step away just briefly. We're going to be coming back for the second half of our show, American Indian and Alaska Native Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. My guest, Dr. Angie Brower. More right after this. American Indian and Alaska Native Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please contact us on the web at AIANL.org or call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. A message from the National Police Association. It used to be that any able-bodied person would offer to assist a police officer in danger. Now, passers-by are more likely to take a video. There's a better use for your phone when an officer's in trouble. Call 911. Tell the operator where you are and what you see. Then, start your video to provide evidence later. To learn more about how you can assist law enforcement, visit nationalpolice.org. That's nationalpolice.org. Unlike other health concerns, mental illness is not always easy to see. Depression won't show up on an eye chart, and you can't measure it on your bathroom scale. Sorting out a mental health concern is not something to attempt on your own. You won't find a bipolar disorder by looking at a thermometer. Like many other health conditions, help for mental illness takes professional diagnosis and treatment. Anxiety won't just go away under a stick-on bandage. So the sooner you seek treatment, the better. If you or a loved one has a mental health concern, don't go it alone. Find out what to do. For 24-hour free and confidential information and treatment referral, call 1-800-662-HELP. Learn more at samhsa.gov support. That's S-A-M-H-S-A slash support. Using meth taught me everything about freedom, only not like you think. It taught me how easy it is to lose your freedom. If you think meth is taking control of you, ask for help. You have the power to be truly free. I know. I'm Jan, and I'm free from meth. If you or someone you know is struggling with meth, call 1-800-662-HELP for 24-hour free and confidential treatment referral. Learn more at samhsa.gov meth. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaska Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. 
Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to the second half of today's edition of American Indian and Alaska Native Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Dr. Angie Brower, she's sharing with us things that the North American Division of Seventh-day Adventists and their health department have pulled together, have helped champion, and are helping to disseminate throughout North America and even beyond. Angie, we've been speaking some most recently about addiction and addiction resources. And I think to make it practical, we should probably start with some stories. I know you've got some great facilitators who've helped uh, either develop the resources or run the programming. And I know there's some amazing stories behind those individuals. Can you share one or two with us? Oh, I would love to share some stories. You know, we have found that individuals who themselves have gone through the recovery process tend to be our star facilitators because again, they understand the journey and they're able to really be there for the others who are going through the process. So let me share a story with one of our facilitators who actually is now also one of our trainers who grew up in England, had a difficult childhood, went through some difficulties in their family, and by the way, one of the predisposing factors for addiction is experiencing childhood trauma. And that was the story of this young man. At some point, I believe in his 20s or early 30s, he came to a point where he realized that his life really just was not going anywhere. He had fallen into several different types of addictions, was really struggling with that, and had lost his job because of it, and was really having a hard time throughout. He happened to find a faith community at the lowest point of his life. And in connecting with the faith community, he was able to begin the process of healing. And part of that healing included recognizing that he was struggling with an addiction, that he needed to address it. And so he started attending 12-step support groups as well as getting other types of care. And now he is one of our facilitators. And as I mentioned also, he has in fact helped us to develop a training to be an addiction recovery sponsor, which mm. is another layer of that addiction recovery process, having a sponsor and has just really dedicated his life to helping others continue their journey. We do want to remember that an addiction can hold somebody for a lifetime. And so recognizing that you are in a healing journey as an ongoing process, you never want to forget where you were, lest you unfortunately, you know, fall into that trap again. But you can live a wonderful, full, fulfilling life free of those addictions as well. So that's one of the stories that I love to share. No, that's wonderful. And it's great that you've pulled together people like that to develop these resources. Let's say, Angie, somebody's listening today and they say, I'd like to access these resources. Uh, they may or may not be a Seventh-day Adventist. Do they have to be a Seventh-day Adventist to use this particular curriculum? No, you are welcome to use the curriculum regardless of your background, whatever your background. Just keep in mind that it is a faith-based context, but we have had individuals of, of other faiths use it. 
One of our wonderful success stories actually comes from using the material in a prison. Wow. So, yes. So the, the, the inmates were using this material and going through the recovery process as well. So you can use it in any context. And, you know, whether a person is a Christian or doesn't even believe in God, they do need to be aware that this is coming from a Christian context, but they can still glean from it the help, the resource, and the process of the mm -hmm. recovery from addiction and work that in the way that they feel comfortable with. Great, great. So where does someone go to tap into these resources? So the website is AdventistRecovery.org. And please don't let the web address scare you. Again, it, it is open to anybody to use. So AdventistRecovery.org. Okay, so Adventist, A-D-V-E-N-T-I-S-T, and then simply Recovery? Yes. Okay, Recovery.org. Okay, so you've been sharing with us a lot of practical tools, especially for people that may want to be sharing things with others. I picked up on the joy of eating, especially that one is something that any individual could tap into, get some healthy recipes, some things that give them a positive outlook on nutrition. But all of these things, we've touched on this connection with mental health. And of course, addictions and grief recovery, I mean, that brings mental health front and center. And Dr. Brower, you mentioned too with nutrition, just the powerful mental health implications that nutrition has. We want to talk a little bit more about mental health because I think it doesn't matter who you listen to. I'm going to be at some major public health meetings in a few weeks. I know a lot of the attention is going to be focused on mental health, the mental health needs of communities mental health needs of individuals. So you have had a special interest in this, and I know you and your team have developed a lot of content. Tell us about, first of all, why you have such a passion for this area. I mentioned earlier that my own experience of when I started changing my lifestyle, that I recognized that my emotional health started to improve as well. Now, back in those days, we didn't have a whole lot of scientific evidence linking all of these things to how our brain works, but we do understand a lot more today. There's still a lot more to uncover, but, you know, I really think that our brain is part of our body, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. <laughs> and how we treat our bodies will affect our brain and vice versa as well. So what can we do? to give our body and our brain the best chance of really thriving and doing well in a world where we're really bombarded with a lot of, uh, you could call them insults or mm. attacks or, or just unfortunate, unhealthy situations and surroundings. So what can we do to promote good mental functioning as well as address some of the really tremendous mental health crises that we're facing. We know that rates of depression and anxiety are increasing, rates of suicide and suicidation are really so high, uh, especially among our younger and our older population groups. So how can we 
address this in a way that is holistic. So we have come up with a initiative called Restored Mental Health. And if you go to that website, restoredmentalhealth.org, um, you can find there some of the resources that are available. Some of the things that I want to point out is that our young people are really struggling. And I want to give credit to my colleagues who work specifically with women's ministries here in the North American division. They have developed a resource for young ladies where they can actually go on the website and submit anonymous questions regarding struggles that they are facing. Now, they don't have to be mental health. They could be relational struggles. Mm -hmm. And they will receive an email response, again, confidential, anonymous, from experts that tailor the response to what they're, what the individual is struggling. So you will find that website um, posted within the restoredmentalhealth.org website. There's a similar website for young men as well. There's also another link that we provide where if you need help finding a counselor, that you can find a list of counselors as well. Uh, you know, we really have a crisis in terms of the lack of mental health professionals that are available. Mm -hmm. So I actually want to make a plea if somebody is thinking about, you know, what could I do to help with this situation? Look at what kinds of trainings are available out there. There's actually a broad range. You don't have to be a psychiatrist or a psychologist, but even social workers can work in this area. So I hope that we can grow our core of mental health providers as well, because we want to recognize that there are some things that we can do for ourselves and that we can help each other with, but there are also times where we may need to seek professional care and it's important to recognize that that's okay. I love, Angie, that you've got resources at this single website that both can help people along with their personal challenges, but also connect them to some of these individuals who uh, can provide professional help. Is it safe to assume that some of the options that you have on the website, and let me just give that name. I know it's gone by maybe quickly a couple of times, but what I jotted down was restoredmentalhealth.org. Have I got that right? Yes, that's right. Okay, so if I go on that restoredmentalhealth.org website, I can find a number of practical resources, but can I also access maybe some mental health professionals who work virtually if I'm in an area where I may have trouble with access? You know, that's a great question. We don't have that currently on the website, but I do want to point out as well that we do have here in the United States a national hotline, which is 988. It is called a crisis hotline, but even if you're looking for resources in your local community, that's a phone number that anybody can call to find help locally as well. So 988 is here in the United States. I do know that Canada has uh, their own hotline as well. And so there are different ways to find those resources. Some providers are offering virtual telehealth resources. 
You can also contact your insurance company, your health insurer. They may be able to connect you with a provider as well. There are many different ways of finding it. I do hope one day that we can also have a list of providers available on our website, but there are other ways to find it. And so please be persistent in looking. So tell us a little bit more about what we can find on restoredmentalhealth.org. One of the resources that I really enjoy sharing is a series of video nuggets. They're about three to five minutes long that are talking about different ways that we can practice mental health self-care. So uh, these are really beautifully done. They're very practical. For example, there's one on breathing and it shares a very simple and easy to remember technique of breathing called pizza breathing, as well as numerous other videos that I think are going to be inspiring as well as practical. This is wonderful, Angie. I'm excited about what you're pulling together. And I know we've got one last segment and you've got some really exciting things that can make a difference for people, some real practical suggestions. So we've just got to step away briefly, but then we're going to be back with Dr. Angie Brower. I'm Dr. David DeRose, our final segment coming up shortly. Stay tuned. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. If a natural disaster comes knocking, how prepared is your family? You can't just close the door on earthquakes, floods, or hurricanes and hope they go away. That's why it's important to make a plan now. Ready.gov slash plan has the tools and tips you need to prepare your family for an emergency. So if disaster shows up at your doorstep, you'll be ready. Visit ready.gov slash plan and make a plan today. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. I'm just texting him back. I'm just posting a story. I'm just changing the song. I'm just... No. When it comes to distracted driving, just don't. Sending a text takes your eyes off the road for just five seconds, but in that time, your car can travel the length of an entire football field. Any distracted driving just isn't worth it. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. What is a number story? My number story started with fear and a lack of support, and it has led me to be there for others. A number story begins in our childhood with ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences. My number story begins with the separation from my father and the emotional abandonment from my mother and leads to me being a role model to not only myself, but those around me by becoming the person that wasn't there for me. ACEs are so common, two-thirds of us have one. My number story begins with drug abuse and homelessness and leads to realizing that I can live life by my own standards. A study found the more ACEs, the more likely we may experience a host of serious health effects, physical and mental, but that doesn't need to be the case. Your ACE number is simply an entry point to your own story. Where it leads is up to you. My number story begins with years of emotional abuse and leads to peace, clarity, and security in my self-worth. Take control of where your number story leads at numberstory.org. 
You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian and Alaskan Native Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back for our final segment of today's edition of American Indian and Alaska Native Living. Dr. David DeRose with Dr. Angie Brower. Dr. Brower is uh, heading up the health work for what's called the North American Division of Seventh-day Adventists. She works with some 5,000 congregations throughout North America and their communities, basically making an impact on people's health, trying to support local faith communities as they minister to their own neighborhoods, their own tribes in the case of Indian country. Angie, we've been speaking about this pretty ambitious uh, mental health resource center that you have virtually there at uh, restoredmentalhealth.org. We're speaking about some of the things that we could find there, but we want to translate that into just some practical messages for people. They've been listening to a lot of the great program content that you and others have developed, but for someone who's struggling right now, they say, well, yeah, this is all really interesting, but what can I do today? What are some practical things I can do that can help my mental health? Help us out, uh, Dr. Brower. We've already talked about healthy eating and how that is an important component in our mental health. I want to be careful and not give the misconception that just by eating healthy, you're going to solve all mental health issues. Mm -hmm. I wish it were that simple. I truly do. But we need to remember that some individuals have much more complex pathology, complex situations going on. But healthy lifestyle can improve your chances of recovery. In fact, we know we have good research showing that a healthy lifestyle does improve recovery from surgeries, from illnesses. So it's still important to practice a healthy lifestyle. So eating healthy, getting adequate exercise. Mm. And we have aerobic exercises. We also have strength training exercises, but also balance exercises. So something mm. as simple as being able to stand on one leg, stretching and moving those muscles in a way that isn't necessarily vigorous, but is extending their range of motion. Those types of things as well are improving your body's ability to cope with things that are happening inside. One of the important factors involved in a lot of mental health conditions is inflammation. Mm -hmm. And exercise can actually reduce levels of inflammation. Sleep. Are we sleeping well? Oh, I know mm. this is probably the one I have the most difficulty with. Fair enough. Are we getting our seven to nine hours of sleep every single night and good quality sleep too? So sometimes we might actually have to look for someone who can help us with our sleep hygiene to make sure we're getting good restful sleep. While we're sleeping at night, our brain is actually cleansing. And so that's an important part of why sleep is so important. Another thing is also about relationships. How are our relationships doing? I can tell you our relationships struggled during COVID. 
mm-hmm. during the pandemic. But you know what? We can't make it through this world without each other. And so we do need to put some time and some effort into building healthy relationships. And if needed, getting help with that. One of the important things about relationship is healthy touch, is Mm. being able to hold one another and hugging. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago, I was really privileged to hear from a psychiatrist who's working in Ukraine we know still a war-torn area. Mm-hmm. What he has taken to doing is simply hugging people wow. so that they feel the human touch. And he said within 8 to 15 seconds of hugging, you see stress actually decreasing. Mm. So there's a beautiful process of stress management involved in hugging. But hugging has to be in the context of a healthy relationship as right, well. Right, right, right. So, yeah. so build a healthy relationship and then in healthy consensual hugging. Another thing that I really enjoy talking about is purpose. Hmm. Having a purpose for your life. Every single person, and I truly believe this, every single one of us has an intentional purpose for our lives, for our existence. And what are we doing to discover that? It's a process of discovery. Mm -hmm. I'm still learning more and more about my own personal purpose. But I have seen in my life story, when I think about it, when I write down my life story, I see a thread that indicates that my life has been on a journey to bring me where I am today. Mm -hmm. And my hope is that it will continue in a trajectory to keep me in a place where my purpose, my gifts, my talents, my values, my identity all come together so that I feel like I'm living a purposeful life. Wow. These are a lot of practical strategies, kind of broad strokes, but saying, hey, you know, here's some specific things that we all need to prioritize if we want to have really good mental health. I know one of the things that you've shared throughout this program is nutrition. You know, you mentioned it again here. And I think maybe too often we, as health professionals, I mean, myself included, we talk about people being on a healthy diet and we just assume that people will know what that looks like. Just yesterday, I was dealing with a patient. Uh, I do a telemedicine still. I'm, I'm an internal medicine specialist. Many of my listeners are aware of that. And uh, this particular patient I was dealing with was telling me how they were feeling better. And the main change they made was eliminating sugar-sweetened beverages. From your vantage point, uh, Dr. Brower, how important is that decision for people as far as their health and their mental health? It could be a critical decision, absolutely. We know that a lot of the sugary beverages are sweetened with high fructose corn syrup or artificial sweeteners, which we try to save calories, but we may be impacting ourselves in other ways. Mm. We're learning more research about the artificial sweeteners that they may not be as healthy as we hoped. So yes, you know, again, inflammation. How, what are they doing to increase inflammation? Well, unfortunately, 
sugary beverages, or let's even think about foods that are over sugared. Okay. We have a huge intake of sugar in the standard Western diet, and let's think about what impact that high sugar intake has on other things that happen in our body: inflammation, infectious diseases, mm. immune system. And all of these things can, in some way, also impact our brain functioning. Whatever may be ailing our body will have an impact on our brain, again, because our brain is part of our body. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so having a diet that is higher in fiber, sugary sweetened beverages have zero fiber. Okay. But a diet that has more fiber, and fiber comes from plant foods, so we're looking at a whole foods, plant-based diet with a good source of fiber. Antioxidants also help with decreasing inflammation. Those are the types of things that we want to look for rather than high calorie or even, again, those sugar substitutes that may be low calorie but are not really giving us any nutritional value. That's a great message. And so if, if someone wanted to do just one thing, you know, a simple thing, at least conceptually simple, is uh, make friends with water and uh, get away from the sugar-sweetened beverages. Dr. Brower, our time has just about slipped away from us. You have given us so many great places to visit. Some people may have been taking notes, but some may have just jumped on. If there's just one single website that you wanted to point people to, is, is there kind of one central website or one that you'd especially like to highlight as we wind up? We do have a central website. It is nadhealth.org. That's North American Division. So N-A-D-H-E-A-L-T-H dot O-R-G. And from that one central website, you will actually be able to find all the websites that we've talked about today and many more resources. You could spend days on the website, but please do it in moderation. Okay, okay. So I've got it. It's just as simple as NAD, which stands for North American Division, NAD, then the word health.org, and I can learn about the Adventist Recovery Network, the Joy of Eating, the Grief Recovery Program, all the things we talked about. That's right, in one place. That is wonderful. Dr. Brower, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. It's been wonderful to be with you. And to each of you listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. As always, I'm Dr. David DeRose wishing you the very best of health. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.